Tonight's scripture reading will be from Psalms 119, verse 105. Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thank you, Drew, for reading our scripture. We are looking tonight at a continuation of what we've been discussing the last couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about the ABCs of leadership. And we have looked at the first half of the alphabet, and tonight we pick up with the letter N. Appreciate so much your presence, and hopefully and prayerfully, our time together tonight will be beneficial to all. Uh, we do want to express our gratefulness to all of, the, all of the dads who are here tonight. We appreciate you and all that you do. You're a great example, and we wish you a very happy Father's Day. And we're grateful for each and every father that makes up the church here at Olive Branch. Tonight, as we think about leadership, I want to begin by saying that in many respects, there is a leadership crisis in America. It begins in the home. A lot of men, husbands, fathers have not been the spiritual leaders that they ought to be. And then we look in the corporate world, and obviously there are voids in that realm. Politically, there is a need for godly leadership. In the church, we need good leaders. And we're grateful for every faithful individual who serves as a leader in the Lord's church. So tonight we pick up in our study as we think about some of the ABCs of leadership. Now, it might well be that as you look at the alphabet and as you think about these letters, they might, in your mind, represent something different than what I've come up with. But I want to simply offer these thoughts for your consideration. Tonight we pick up with the letter N. In my mind, the letter N represents nurturing. And those who serve as leaders in the church must have a nurturing spirit. Think about for a moment the church. It is pictured as the family of God, the house of the living God. Most families consist of varying age groups, don't they? You have families that have toddlers and then on up from there. Well, the church in many respects is like that. You have some that have just become Christians. They are said to be babies in Christ. You have others that have been members of the body of Christ for some time and they are in the process of growing and maturing. And then there are those that from a biblical perspective would be mature Christians. And so the responsibility of leaders is to try to, try to nurture or nourish all members, whatever the age group may be. So as I think about nurturing and how it applies to leadership, I'm reminded of what Paul said to the elders of the church of Ephesus when he was in Miletus. You remember in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, before he closed out his words of admonition to these men, he said, Now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Leaders have the responsibility of strengthening the membership. And one of the ways that that is done is through feeding them a consistent diet of the Word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, Peter said, Shepherd the flock of God, that is, the church of God. So every member has to be fed. 
And that's one of the reasons why we have differing Bible classes, because you've got people of all ages, and there are specific needs in those age groups. And so the intent is to strengthen them, and not only to strengthen, but also to stabilize people in the faith. There are some folks that face difficult times in life, and we all know that trials and tribulations and temptations come, and sometimes those difficulties in life can discourage and dismay us. There are many people that, because of discouragement, grow weak in the faith. And so it's the responsibility of leaders and members of the body of Christ to try to strengthen and stabilize members. I think about the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 when he talked about those who were tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. And so we're trying to ground people in the faith. I said in previous lessons in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20, Jesus, as you well know, gave the Great Commission. He said, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Part one is evangelistic in thrust. But part two is edification, that is, the building up of the church, because he said, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so, those who function as leaders in the Lord's church, their goal, their desire is to strengthen, to stabilize, and also to be supportive of members. You know, sometimes people, because of the difficulties of life, need support and aid. They need encouragement. As I said a moment ago, it's very easy to get discouraged in the world in which we live. If you read Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of there in verse 3 talks about those who become weary and discouraged in their souls. And one of the great tools of the devil is discouragement. And sometimes we get discouraged and dismayed because of things that are going on in life. And so we need a listening ear. We need somebody that will support us and encourage us and be there for us. And so obviously leaders have that opportunity and responsibility. And then there is the letter O. The letter O represents obedience. Because every leader has a twofold desire. First, his goal is to be faithful to the Lord. All of us have the responsibility of living faithfully before God. Sometimes individuals have the idea that those who function as leaders in the Lord's church, whether they be elders or deacons or Bible school teachers or song leaders or preachers, whatever, it may seem in the minds of some that they are above trials and temptations in life, but that's not the case. Paul, as a matter of fact, in writing to the church at Corinth, said he buffeted his body daily lest he become a castaway. And so our goal, all of us want to go to heaven. And we understand that if we're faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. So every leader wants to be obedient to the Lord. They want to be faithful to the Lord. And the goal is to be faithful to the word of the Lord. Do you remember in Titus chapter 1, verse 9? Paul said, speaking of those who serve as elders in the church, that they are to hold fast to the faithful word as they've been taught. Why? That they might be able to exhort and to convince or convict the gainsayer. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, he said, hold fast the form, that is the pattern of sound words, which you've heard 
from me in faith and love. And so there is this allegiance to the Word of God. There are some congregations all across our brotherhood that aren't where they ought to be, biblically speaking. And one of the reasons is because those who function as leaders haven't been anchored to the truth of God. They haven't been grounded in God's, in God's Word. They should be grounded, but sometimes what happens is the influences of the world begin to shape and to mold the thinking of those in leadership positions. And sometimes individuals listen to the wrong people. They listen to, they, they listen to the wrong kind of counsel. And before you know it, a congregation has moved. And typically it doesn't happen overnight, but rather it is bit by bit, piece by piece. And before you know it, you look up and you think, what happened? And so leaders, godly leaders, want to stay grounded in the Word of God. And then there's the letter P. And P represents prayerful. One of the, I think one of the great blessings that all of us enjoy as Christians is the opportunity to pray. And I'm reminded of the fact that those who serve as leaders in the Lord's church, they are men of prayer. If you look at the life of Jesus, as a matter of fact, I would encourage you over the next few days, read the book of Luke and note the emphasis on the prayer life of Jesus. It's amazing how much time Jesus spent in prayer to God the Father. Over and over again, you read about Jesus praying. He would rise early in the morning, pray to God. He would spend the night in prayer to God. When he faced difficulties, when he faced the cross, what was he doing? Praying to God the Father. I remember, let me, let me just back up for a minute. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean when I talk about leaders who pray. I was talking to Barry the other day, and I mentioned, I think a week or two ago, a statement made by Keith Mosier about, in his mind, the best elder that he had ever known. It was Nesby Sharp, who had served at one time as an elder in this congregation. And those of you that remember Brother Sharp, I have no doubt you loved him and appreciated him. I never had the opportunity to meet him, but I feel like I know him in many respects because I've heard so much about him. And it's evident to me that he made, an, he, he made a great impression on the lives of a lot of people, young and old alike. I was talking to Barry one day, and he was talking about Brother Sharp and his prayerfulness. And I'm not sure what the context was, but he was, he was talking about Brother Sharp discussing his prayer life. One of the men of the congregation said, Brother Sharp, how can you spend so much time in prayer to God? He said, I can pray five minutes. It seems like I've been praying for an hour. And he said, well, here's how I do it. He said, I just pick up the directory sometimes, and I begin to go through the directory and look at the various names of our members. And I think about the individual needs that they have, whether young or old. He said, and I just begin to pray for them. And he said, you know what, before long, an hour's passed. Well, I appreciate that kind of leadership. Somebody who has an interest in my soul. I think it was Brother Sharp that said he would pray for the young people. 
particularly the teenagers as they began to drive because he thought about them being out on the road. And so leaders have the opportunity, number one, to pray with us, and number two, to pray for us. Aren't you grateful that people pray for you? You remember the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, here's what Paul said, Brethren, pray for us. Paul wanted those people to pray for him. I appreciate elders and deacons and members who pray for, for me. I appreciate your prayer. I covet your prayers. And I think about the opportunity, the awesome opportunity that we have to pray for one another. Paul said that we ought to pray without ceasing. And I think that that kind of prayer life is characteristic of an elder, a leader in the Lord's church. And so to simply spend time in prayer to God. And you think about all the needs in a congregation. The bigger the congregation, the greater the needs, the more problems you have, the more difficulties, but also greater joy in many respects. And so it affords us the opportunity to serve. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And then I come to the letter Q. The letter Q in my mind represents questioning. In other words, leaders ought to be people like Jesus who recognize the importance of asking questions. Have you ever thought about how often Jesus asked questions to the people with whom he interacted? For example, in Matthew chapter 16, when he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know what he was saying? He was saying, What's the word on the street about my identity? Don't you think it's helpful to ask questions? Corporations that are successful have a lot of different people in key positions and they're working in unison with one another. One of the things that makes them successful is they have open lines of communication and that's both ways. I think sometimes... Some corporations, some congregations lag behind because they don't know the thinking of the people. I like to know what people are thinking in the pew. And one of the ways to do that is to simply ask questions. Jesus was a master at asking questions. Think about in a corporation. I understand that there are people that occupy high positions in corporate America. And sometimes individuals in high positions, they feel like they're in an ivory tower. It's beneath them to, to simply go out among those who are in the trenches, so to speak, and ask them questions. But businesses that thrive have people that are in key positions, but they're asking questions. They're trying to carry on dialogue with their employees. By the same token, in the church, it's helpful to me to ask questions. I like to know what people think. I want to know what people think. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying the church is a democracy. It's not. But I think it's good for leaders to know what people are thinking. Think about Jesus in John chapter 10. You remember he said in John 10 verse 14, I'm the good shepherd? And he said, I know my sheep and am known by my own. That's a two-way street, isn't it? He knows them, they know him. Well, again, one of the best ways to know people, ask questions. 
Ask what they're thinking. Ask how they're doing. And I know that many, many times, how many times do we pass people in the hall, we see people at worship or Bible study, and we ask, how you doing? And what's the typical stock answer? We're doing fine, aren't we? We always say we're doing well. We always say, I'm great. But are we? You know, sometimes, sometimes when we ask that question, we're asking because we're wanting to know, is there a problem? Are you hurting? Is there a need? And sometimes folks out on the street see things differently. Look, I don't always see things that you see. There are things that you see, and you may see things crystal clear, and I miss it. So there are things that maybe, maybe as a preacher, I don't see, and you can help me. It might be that there are things that you see that you could, you could mention to the elders. Maybe there are things that you see that would help them. But again, it's a collective effort. The goal is to work together, to be together, to serve together to the glory of God. And so, asking questions. I think it's a great, I think it's a great way to know what people are thinking. And Jesus was, as I said a moment ago, He was the master at asking questions. And let, let me also just add this. I said that there are times when we ask people, how are you doing? And we give the stock answer. But if I ask you, and I'm just using myself as an illustration here, if I ask you what you think about something, or how you think this is working or that's working, please give me a straight answer. I want to know the truth, how you feel. And I think good leaders always want to know what people feel and what they think. I'm not a, I'm not a leader in the sense that I'm not an elder, I'm not a pastor here, but I do want to know what people are thinking, and I want to... I want to try to the best of my ability if, if there's a need, if there's something going on that maybe I could do a better job in, I want to know it because I want to improve. And then the letter R. The letter R represents rescues, restores. Good leaders are shepherds who are always looking out for their sheep. If you look at Luke chapter 15, Jesus uses three parables, doesn't he? To teach the value of the human soul. He talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And really what the Lord is saying is there is a value placed on the human soul. Sometimes we miss that, don't we? How often do we see the physical man, but we don't see the spiritual person? Behind Every face is an eternal soul. And so, leaders, shepherds, have the awesome task, responsibility, but also privilege of shepherding the church and rescuing and restoring those that are not where they ought to be. If you look at what Jesus had to say 
in Luke 15 and John chapter 10 as he identifies himself as the shepherd. You ever thought about it this way? It's the, it is the shepherd's responsibility to go after the straying, struggling, straying sheep, isn't it? The sheep don't, the sheep, they're not out looking for the shepherd, but rather the shepherd is looking out for the sheep. And so, what an awesome opportunity that we have collectively to reach out to those who maybe aren't where they ought to be spiritually and try to get them back in line. You remember the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1? He said, If a man is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness and meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Now think about that. A spiritual person. Who would you classify as a spiritual person? A leader, wouldn't you? When somebody serves as an elder, a deacon, a Bible class teacher, a song leader, when somebody serves in that, in that capacity, then they ought to be interested in souls, shouldn't they? They ought to be interested in those who are struggling and straying. And so there is emphasis, well, let me put it this way. They ought to be spiritually minded people. Spiritually minded people are interested in the souls of people. And our common goal is to get everybody to heaven. Think about the church here, the family here. It would be a shame if one soul, one soul were lost on Judgment Day. So our goal is to work together, to serve together, to encourage together. And then the letter S. The letter S stands for servant. Somebody who serves. When Jesus came to earth, He came to serve. Everyone who occupies a leadership position in the church ought to have as His goal a desire to serve. It's all about serving. Do you remember what Paul said? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, for just a moment. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 1, listen to what Paul said in writing about those who function as leaders in the church. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop or an elder or pastor, listen to him, he desires a good work. Those who serve as leaders in the church are servants. Now, we're all supposed to be servants, aren't we? All of us ought to have a servant mentality, and we live in a very selfish age. In many respects, the idea in the world today is, you serve me, it's all about me. But if you look at it from a biblical perspective, we're supposed to be serving one another. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about how we are to be servants of righteousness. And as we grow and mature in the faith, the emphasis ought to be on serving those who are younger. Now, in many respects, the idea in the world, and sometimes even in the church, is that the younger folks serve the older folks. But those of us who are growing older, we're supposed to be mature, aren't we? 
We're not on a bottle anymore in terms of our spiritual diet. So we've got all these young folks, we've got all these young people, some of them are still on a bottle, some of them are still in a state of infancy, some are maturing, and that's a great thing. But what we're trying to do is equip them so that one day they can occupy positions of leadership. That doesn't happen by accident, does it? And so we serve by example, we serve by exhortation. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Paul talks about, or rather Peter talks about how elders, leaders are to be examples to the flock. But also, the emphasis is on trying to, really trying to educate young people so that when they get a certain age, they can become leaders and carry on because ultimately that's what we're wanting. If the church is going to be strong in this location 25 years from now, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take all of our young people being grounded in the truth, growing in the truth, and ready, willing, and able to serve one day. So it's all about being a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talked about Jesus who emptied himself, and the Bible says, you remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 about Jesus leaving the glories of heaven and taking upon himself the role of what? He took the form of a servant. Was Jesus a king? Yes, he was. But he came to serve and not be served. As a matter of fact, he said, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but he said to minister and to give his life a ransom for the many. And you can look at the gospel record and go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can look at the lives of people that Jesus impacted in a very positive way. And look at all the people that he served, physically, emotionally, spiritually. His life was about one word, service. And all of us who belong to the body of Christ, our goal ought to be, ought to be we want to serve. And really, Isaiah summed it up many, many years ago when he said, Here am I, send me. Wouldn't it be great if every single one of us as members of the body of Christ here at Olive Branch, if we said to the elders, Here am I, use me. Use me to the glory of God. Because you think about all the talent, all of the ability that rests in this congregation. I appreciate Eric leading us in prayer a moment ago. And I really appreciated the fact that he prayed and gave thanks for all the great ladies in this congregation. I really believe that the ladies who make up a, a congregation are in many respects the backbone of the church, aren't they? There are some congregations that are literally held together by faithful ladies. And so you think about all the contributions. Women may not have the most visible role in the church, but I can promise you this, they are extremely important. And we're grateful for every single woman that makes up this congregation, young or old. And we talk about Vacation Bible School. We mentioned it this morning. Let me tell you what, that would never have come off had not some of our great ladies stepped in and worked as they did tirelessly, day in and day out. And so it's all about being a servant. It's not about personal adulation. It's not about somebody saying what a great Christian we are or how much good work we're doing. I mean, it's great to be patted on the back and complimented, but look, it's not about us. It's about serving other people. And those who serve as leaders in the church, 
they, rec- they get it. It's not about them. It's not about people serving them. It's about them serving others. Seeing ourselves as servants. If we want the church to really grow and be what it ought to be, not just here, but universally, then we've got to develop a servant mentality. The mentality today is serve me. But if you look at the life of Jesus, it was let me serve you. And that's, that ought to be our attitude. I appreciate so much your willingness to listen attentively. The Lord willing, we will finish this series next Sunday night. I appreciate so much each and every one of you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your spirit, your kindness, your encouragement, your faithfulness. I said 10 years ago, this church is sitting on a gold mine. I still believe this church is sitting on a gold mine. We have so much potential, so many opportunities, and really, hopefully and prayerfully, we will maximize every opportunity before us. In order to do that, though, it requires each and every one of us stepping up and filling in the gap. Whatever the need, we want to fill it. So, before we extend the invitation, would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for your love and care for us. We're so thankful for your word, which is a guide for us in this life. And Father, we pray that you would help each and every one of us to have a servant mentality. And we ask that you would give us wisdom, help us to encourage those who are leaders, Help us to be supportive of each and every person who functions in a leadership position. We're grateful for all the talent, the abilities that are used to your glory in in this congregation. And Father, we pray that you would bless each and every family. Help us to be a shining light for good in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian... As always, we encourage you to come to Christ. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. If you're here tonight, you believe Jesus is the Son of God, and you would would be willing to repent, to turn from a life of sin, confess his name before others, and be baptized into Christ, the promise is God will forgive you of all of your sins, Acts 2.38. If, perchance, you're here, maybe your life's not what it ought to be, and you need the prayers of the church, As the family of God, we have the opportunity, the privilege to pray with you and for you. I know that there are folks from time to time that simply need the prayers of the church because of some situation they're dealing with in life. And I want you to know, when you come forward, people don't think negatively about you. They don't look down on you. There are times when we simply need the prayers of one another. And so I don't want you to feel like if you come forward because you need prayer, that people are going to be questioning in their mind, what have you done? We're just here to help. We're here to serve. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And James said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, a lot of power in prayer. Won't you come as we stand and sing?